You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 232 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com. It's the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. And Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today we have a ninth-generation trainer of horses at Liberty. Plus, we learn about this year's adoption opportunities at the Appalachian Trainer Face-Off. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and my producer is today's George. Thank you, George, for being here with us. Jen is out, but getting a a well-deserved rest. And uh, we've got some great guests up for you today. One of them is a re-recording of Sylvia Zerbini, and I can't wait for you to hear how exciting this lady is. She's going to be at Briarfest. That's part of the excitement. But she's also going to be talking to us about some of those body language tips that help her move her horses and build trust between her horses at Liberty. It's really cool. Well, welcome. We have Sylvia Zerbini on with us. Sylvia is the first equestrian aerialist inducted into the Circus Ring Hall of Fame, and she was the first person to combine aerial and equestrian work together. And your ninth generation, Sylvia? performer? Yes, I'm nine generation circus performer. My father was an animal trainer and my mom was a famous uh, aerialist. Uh, That is amazing. So you've got it not only in the blood, a lot of people say, well, both if your parents both ride, then you've got to be, you know, but how about your great, 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 whatever that is, (laughs) nine back generations. So was everybody a a horse uh, equestrian performer or... Yeah. So um, to answer your question, I think um, the the arts is in our DNA. You know, my, mm-hmm. my father's family goes back, like you said, you know, generations on animal training. And my mother is actually six generations in um, aerial performance. Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, I learned both arts. I learned, you know, how to respect and understand the language of the animal. Um, my specialty was the horse. And then I learned the discipline. Um, from my mother with the aerial performance, you know, the, the dance, the gymnastics and, and learning how to, you know, discipline your body into stretching and, and so forth. And, you know, I ended up uh, putting both arts together and won multiple awards for combining the aerial and the horsemanship together. Uh, yes, and it's beautiful. We'll have a beautiful sh- uh, photo of you in the show notes. With uh, now, is Rico still with you? I know he was a beautiful. Was he a, a Briar horse too? Yes, he's a 2019 Briar horse. Um, he's still with us. He's does his hind leg work, which he's our rearing horse. So he yeah. comes in at the end of our performance, and he just walks on his hind legs, all proud of himself. But yes, he's still with us. Oh, and I've got Jamie Jennings here, host of this show. I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm, I'm the team B, Sylvia. So <laughs> I, I, I guess it, looking at all these pictures, I mean, obviously <sighs> stunning photos, stunning horses, but I notice you use a lot of the gray and illusions mm-hmm. and I'm going somewhere with that because I'm going to pick your brain for a second because I have a fat 
lazy, young, gray Andalusian. And what are some of the, the, the magic training tips yeah. that you can say that would kind of be really helpful for an Andalusian? So for an Andalusian or actually for any horse, um, I, I feel that, you know, paying attention to their subtle language, learning horse language, looking at the eye, looking at the breath, um, positioning our body, you know, towards certain parts of the horse that they understand. You know, for instance, if you apply pressure from a distance on the hindquarters, you can get them to look at you. If you walk up from a distance to their barrel, which is their belly, um, that horse, you know, walks forward. If you slightly put pressure again from a distance on the front leg, you're able to have the horse move out. So, you know, keeping all those little things in your mind and how if we think of the horse that they have their own language and it's up to us to pay attention to what they're telling us, I feel the communication just, you know, starts to flow together. So I, I feel that, you know, we we have to be more um, in tune with what the horse is trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Now, another, another pick your brain question is with my, my Andalusian, I've decided I want to teach him to go bridalist. What are some tips that you could give for bridalist riding? I mean, I I've got like a neck rope on him, but he's more responsive to just leg and kind of where I'm looking. And we've kind of started that I'm riding him in the dually halter, of course, Debbie, yeah. <laughs> just in yeah, case awesome. I need some help. Uh, but what are some tips? Because I know you do clinics and, and I would love to hear what you have to say about that. So my tips, obviously it's hard to see where you're at with your horse. So, you know, guiding you, um, you're obviously, you said you're, you feel very comfortable riding with just a lot of leg cues and you have a neck rope on him. I would just start working with my walk trot, you know, or my walk to a stop and then make sure that I had that down really good and then progress into my walk trot stop. And once you can control that and your horse understands your language, um, with that, then you could, you know, go on to your canter, back down to your trot, back down to your walk. I would definitely make sure that I have a great stop. And I would definitely make sure that when I stop, I would teach them how to back up a couple steps and then walk on. So I feel that if you can control all that, you're able to direct your horse in whatever direction you want to take them. Now I mentioned before he's super lazy. So our woe is fantastic. (laughs) He's got that one down. (laughs) That's just with the breath, you know, he's like, Oh, I can stop now. Cool. Uh, yeah. So these are great, great tips. And then, yeah, like we're kind of, I've got the walk and the trot and the hall down. So just need to start incorporating a little bit more. So fantastic. I want to see you at Briarfest then, Jamie. I think you're, you're getting ready. Tell us what's involved, Sylvia, in creating the show for Briarfest. Because I understand you do, like, this is an individual show just for Briarfest, which is pretty cool. And you only do, like, one rehearsal. And you're done. And that's yeah. Amazing. Can you believe that? So no. <laughs> it's really yeah. So I um produce direct and um choreograph the the show parts and also perform in it. Yeah. And yes, one rehearsal. So I make sure that I surround myself by the best team possible. So I bring in, you know, nothing but professional horsemen. Oh, I, I thought you were going to talk about that. the horses. <laughs> Tell me about the team of horses, too. Oh, well, I, I bring in a whole show, right? So obviously, yeah. I bring in my team of 12 horses, and then yeah. also I bring in a cast. 
So oh, we wow. create a 70 minute performance part that has a storyline. Um, so each year we, you know, I create a different um, performance for Briar, but the thing that's really important for me is when I produce a show, I want to make sure that the horses that do come into our performance and um, that the audience can see that the horses have each and their very own personality. So, mm-hmm. you know, the horses are very happy. I, I feel that when you watch one of my performances and that team that I bring in, you'll you'll see happy horses and it's really really important for me to be able to express this to our audience i want you know each horse to have their own character their own individual character and perform with happiness seeing the horses enjoy what they do and um so i think the 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 best part about our briar performance is when you sit down and you see a cast of 15 people and probably about 25 horses, maybe, you know, 30 horses, you, you're not going to see a performance, a presentation with horses that have their heads down to the ground and don't have a spirit. You'll Mm -hmm. see lively horses bucking and kicking and having a blast. And Mm -hmm. I feel that that brings the energy, you know, through the roof. And I feel that our audience just so participates in everything that we do just from seeing those horses react the way that they do. Absolutely. I can vouch for that. Absolutely. You were amazing here. I don't remember what year it was. Was that about um, 17, 2018? Yeah, 2017, right before I went to Canada's Cavalia. Yep. Yeah. And it was beautiful. And that's, I sat next to dad and we watched each ear twitch and your performance and everything. And the horses were happy and they did have personality. So you're you're hundred percent right on that, that that's the one thing dad looks for. He looks for that, you know, um, you know, some trainers that do, you know, some of the performance stuff, the horses don't look happy to be there, but yours are, are so cute. They're just so cute and they're happy. Yeah. Yeah. Debbie, thank you for pointing that out. It was such an honor to, you know, be there at your father's, at your family's ranch, um, you know, Monty Roberts, he's, oh my gosh, he's a legend. Mm -hmm. And I know that he always looks for the best in the horse. So you saying that and that you both pointed that out, I feel and agree with you um, on the other trainers that, you know, a lot of the work out there, you know, trainers got to start doing the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. They got to start preaching the walk because, you and I, we know um, how a lot of these things are put together and the horses, by you observing the horse in performance, you can see the direction that they've been taken to. So I feel that we have to do what's best for the horse and make sure that that's part of our performance. So then, you know, on stage, we have nothing but, you know, a good time. Horses are having fun what they do. It's yeah, so true. you can and it's definitely beautiful. see when people rule by demand as opposed to by asking, you know, and I think that what what you do from what I've heard for, about you from Debbie is is very much that. I mean, you wouldn't be booked by Monty Roberts' daughter on the show if you were any other way. So it's <laughs> congratulations. That's awesome. Do you have advice for us, Sylvia, for young girls or boys that, you know, that want to be Sylvia when they grow up? And wh- <laughs> well, what would I they do. do right now? Yeah, I do. Uh, I want to run away. So, 
You know, I think the advice I would say to anybody, and I, you know, I do lessons every day, and I always tell people, be in the moment. They're animals, they're horses, and we have a plan and we expect them to do, you know, whatever we create in our little head for them to, you know, do for us. But if the stuff doesn't go as planned, you know, work in the moment because from a drop of a hat, the situation can change. So if you go in with that thought of just working in the moment, you're going to be more relaxed. You're going to feel more happy and less pressure on you. And um, normally when I give this advice to a lot of my, my students, it's that their whole character and demeanor changes because I feel like they have less stress on them because they don't have to this pressure of having to do whatever they thought in their head they were supposed to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, of course. So people can go see you at Briarfest, which is coming up. What are what are some of the details on that so people can find you? Yes. So Briarfest has all the information. So if you okay. go to Briar.com, it's um, we'll be performing there July 13, 14, 15. And then also um, we do our performances here at Grand Liberty Farm in Williston, Florida, Ocala area. Yeah. And we'll also be doing some Christmas show at the World Equestrian Center. Oh, um, yes. And the Arabian event, which is also through Thanksgiving. So look us up when you come down to Florida and come see our up close personal uh, theater. We have a horse theater and we do sh- weekend shows and we work up to 18 horses. Well, I work up, I don't I shouldn't say we, I work up to 18 <laughs> horses all at Liberty stallions and geldings um, combined. And um, you're, you're definitely going to see some happy horses there. So I, I hope that whoever uh-huh. comes down to Florida takes the time to come see us and, Enjoy the horse. Ah, oh, that's really nice. Yeah, and and I I hope people will take photos and put those up, and we want to see what happens at Briarfest and see what you are doing there. And um, I just love the direction you take. Dad said, you know, I bet Sylvia would be really good with deer as well because oh. <laughs> you know, right because they're so flighty, and he hones his skills on deer, but not big Andalusian stallions. I'm really proud of you. That's really oh, really cool. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. Sylvia. Well, yeah. Thank Thanks for being on. I so appreciate you. And I hope people will go find you too and take some classes and see your shows. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for having me and have a beautiful day. You too. You too. Thank you. And Debbie, what she said, talking about, you know, you kind of have to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. It it takes me back to one of my favorite quotes from your dad, which is have a plan. Yes. Don't fall in Don't love, fall with, in it, love with it. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. I, I always have a like a lesson plan for each particular horse when I'm going out to train them. And that thing could just be like, uh, not today. No, nope, not today. <laughs> you just ripped it up. Is that what just, you said? <laughs> there you go. On to the next plan. <laughs> exactly. Sylvia, That's thank awesome. you so much and have a great, a great time. And we'll definitely be keeping up to date. One of our sponsors is the world equestrian center. So we'll definitely let everybody know when you're going to be there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of Hands-On Gloves. And we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the 
the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical resistant, mildew resistant, because you can bathe with them too. They're made to get wet. Um, But across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin skin horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, We have professional grooms that work from us. Um, They groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, Mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Tickling the the horses. And went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. Uh And that's kind of some of our experience with it. We we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, You can throw them in the washing machine. Um, Just don't put them in the dryer. And um, just throw them in the washing machine hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Susanna Johnson is the Officer of Education for Heart of Phoenix Equine Rescue for 10-plus years now. She didn't begin her work with horses until she was an adult, but was an avid reader about them until then. Susanna taught preschool integrated with special needs children for several years, which she believes greatly equipped her to work with horses of all varieties later on in life. In 2011, she began her work with the Heart of Phoenix and soon discovered that there was a real need for easy-to-understand education on all the subjects equine. She has a passion for learning new things, and I love that she is educating people in simple, no-nonsense ways. So, you know, she quickly makes the educational aspect of the Adoption Center its focus and helps us all. Well, welcome back. We've got Susanna Johnson, Officer of Education for Heart of Phoenix Equine Rescue. You're back with us. How are you, Susanna? I'm doing awesome. It was so fun to have you out here in California, sticking your toes in the Pacific Ocean and bringing Tinia with you. And do you guys have a good time? Yes, we did. We did headstands all over the place. That's yes, kind of me did. and her thing. We travel and do headstands. Yes, you do. Yeah, you, you do. And how... I'm not even going to ask. No, I don't know how you got that started, but it looks um, it looks like <laughs> those were better days for me. I don't, I don't do headstands anymore, but you guys were so cute. I'm glad you went up and down the ocean and got to see lots. So tell us what your favorite whales. thing is. Whales. whales, exactly. You got to see whales. You came at the right time for that migration going on. And what was, what was um, something of the most surprising that when you came out to California? Well, probably almost stepping on the elephant seal and dying because he looks so much like a rock. (laughs) We found some kind of weird little skeleton that we were looking at trying to figure out what it was. And we were walking and talking about the skeleton and he raised his head up and chuffed at us. And we were like five inches away from his face. So that's probably the most surprising. 
That would be a surprise. Yes. You don't see that in Appalachia very often. No, no we don't have those there. <laughs> But you do have you do have a lot of surprises, Nabalette, and you surprise us all the time with your knowledge and um, what you're doing with the horses. Not really surprises as much as awe-inspiring, and um, and I love what you guys are doing there at the heart of Phoenix. Do you want us to give us just give us a couple of sentences primer of what and who is the heart of Phoenix? Heart of Phoenix is was the first rescue that was successful in West Virginia, and we have become world world known. We have people, we actually, not too long ago, I had a call from Thailand asking for my advice about a starving horse. So that was really interesting. At first, when it came up on the uh, caller ID, I was like, Thailand, what the heck? (laughs) So we have become world renowned for our rescue efforts, but also for our educational efforts. And so that's been really neat for us because we do occasionally have other countries that will either message us or call us and ask for advice or what we would do in this situation. And that's pretty nifty for us. Yeah. And I know you're learning all the time and because you're a sponge, but also there is a lot to learn all the time, isn't there? You can never stop learning with horses. If you think mm-hmm. that you're finished learning with horses, then you are seriously mistaken. Yeah. Turn the page. There's there's a whole turn other chapter. <laughs> Right. Exactly. No, and and we really appreciate you for that. And that's why you're my go-to, man, for a lot of these things. But I thought it'd be fun. You've got the Appalachian Trainer Face-Off coming up, and I thought it'd be really fun to mention some of the breeds that were in it. You suggested that um, there were some that people might not actually even recognize the names of. So tell me a little bit. Well, give me a primer on the, the ATFO first, please. So we invented the Appalachian Trainer Face-Off because we were getting so many unhandled and feral horses, either whether they were, you know, we wanted our child to experience the miracle of birth, but then we didn't touch them. And now here they are six and nobody can lay a hand on them. Or they came from the um, mine lands of Appalachia and they had been born out there, not ever touched. And we didn't have an in-house trainer at the time. And Even if we did, we had so many that if the in-house trainer had started working on the problem, we'd have piled more on the tail end of the list. And so they were just sitting around waiting for a skilled enough trainer to come along and volunteer their time with these um, domestic ferals and mine land ferals. And so we were like, well, what can we do about this that would be innovative? And we invented the Appalachian Trainer Face-Off. And now we pull in trainers from really from all over the United States for about 110 days competition, sort of similar to the Extreme Mustang Makeover, but then again, it's a whole lot different. And they um, get paired up with these horses and have about 110 days and come back in August to a show, which is also a competition, and show us what they've done. And then at the end of it, approved adopter only, people are in an auction and they are actually only approved for certain classifications of the Appalachian Trainer Face-Off Horses. So like they might be approved for the advanced beginner and up, or they might be approved for uh, trainer level adoptable horses only because in 110 days, you can't take every horse to being advanced beginner friendly. It no. just doesn't work like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, so, and that's pretty fun for us. Well, you just, you got that started just a few years ago and I think it's, it's rocketed and what a great idea. It just shows that when you have a great idea and you execute well, that it becomes like a thing really fast. 
And we were really pleased because our, our ultimate goal was to make a model that was copyable and maybe inspire other rescues to start one. And there was actually another rescue that started one. At, they um, ran theirs in a different time frame, but they just finished up with theirs. And it looks like they did a pretty good job for their first year running one also. Did you guys get involved in helping them counsel or anything, give them ideas, tips? No, no, no they didn't they reach did. out. They they didn't reach out, but they did they did model a lot of their stuff like we do. So it was okay. it was kind of similar. It looked like I it went that. off pretty well. That's fantastic, you guys. What a good example you are, you mentors, you big big brothers and big sisters out there. <laughs> We're going to have uh, Adam Black on, too, a trainer that came to you. Um, he'll be in the next episode, and we'll hear from him and about his parts involved in this. He's done well in your face-off. He's, he's, yeah, he's been in it since the very beginning. He only missed one year, and that year he was a judge. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Skipped over. I think to the year three, when it was still kind of little, he was a judge. But now it's too big. We we have to have bigger people be a judge, like your mom last year. Oh, that was so fun. She had so much time, and uh, you know, you were so kind. What it, what was the drive? You picked her up and you drove about three hours. So that means you drove three hours both ways. No, because I actually live farther away from the rescue in Kentucky than where she landed. Good so time. I. Ha- I had to go about an hour out of the way to get her, but it wasn't too bad. And then I, I went to the airport and picked her up. And then we had about probably about a three hour and 15 minute drive. So we had a lot of fun. We actually pulled the same book out of our suitcase. We were reading the same book. I'm a bookmonger. So we talked about books a whole lot. And not, we really didn't talk about horses very much, which was fine. That's refreshing. Lots of probably people. a big change for you guys who are immersed in horses because mom's a big book reader too. And she, anyway, she had a great time there, felt very loved and appreciated. And so, you know, probably waiting to be asked back, but <laughs> I don't know, it's a big trip. We're going to Brazil in August. So she's kind of reserved a big trip this year too for that. But anyway, yeah. let's go back to horses. I know you guys will do books. Back to horses. We'll do horses. Yeah, we'll do that. The, um, so tell us about the breeze. Is it is it pretty diverse that you get? You know, I do think that this might be the most diverse year that we've ever had. The biggest preponderance of our breed in there is quarter horse crosses this year, but we have quarter horses crossed with a little bit of everything. We have quarter horse Rocky Mountains, quarter horse Tennessee Walker, quarter horse Appaloosa. We have quarter ponies, but then we have a Missouri Foxtrotter in there and three three Mustangs are in there, two American Saddlebreds, and then we have um, two Welsh Arabian Appaloosas. What? So, and Welsh then, Arabian but, Appaloosa? Welsh Arabian Welsh Arabian Appaloosa. They came from a from a intentional breeding program in Virginia oh. that that people worked on for years. It got way out of hand. I think originally, I think if I remember right, there were four hundred of them in that herd oh. that wound up needing placement, and and we took three of them. So we took oh. a mom and a daughter, and then one one random one who was probably related somehow, but we don't know how. So we have all three of those in this year. And mm. and then we have three Appalachian Brumbies because we can't have an ATFO without Appalachian Brumbies. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that. But I have a question first before that. So you rattle off these mixed breeds like, you know, like they come with papers or something. But <laughs> I know at a rescue, a lot of times you don't know. How do you, do you DNA them or what do you, what do you, are you just looking at them and thinking that's what they are or what? 
No, most of the guys that we that we rattled off the breeds were turned over to us from the owner as that being their breed. So, uh, and sometimes people just make things up, but these ones you can kind of look at and go, yeah, pretty sure that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, one of the American Saddlebreds is registered, though, so we have his registration papers. Ah, so. okay. So another question, too, is uh, um, with these trainer face-offs, I know it's a lot of times about the – how far you can get them in the 100, 110 days, right? Uh, mm-hmm. but, days. but when you've got gated horses and not gated horses, is that a problem? It's only a problem finding trainers to participate in the ATFO that will take on gated horses because there are a lot more solid non-gated horse trainers out there than there are solid gated horse trainers. What does that mean, solid? Do you mean like well, they, they're really gated- professionals? <laughs> Yeah, professional that that have a good training program. Gated horses have so gotten the sword into the stick being being mm. trained. They they have just sort of been backyard again. Gotcha. Okay. And gated horses, we found out it's really important to start them off being started in straight lines. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know that. If yeah. you do a lot of circle work with gated horses, it actually really messes them up. Like it hurts them. So, it actually and that's physically hurts them? Like it, yes. Yeah. It physically mm-hmm. hurts them. It, it causes them to not have longevity of wear. They go lame a lot mm-hmm. faster. Don't, don't make it to old age sound. So um, training horses in straight lines in the very beginning until you build that stamina and that muscle and doing a lot of like up the hill, down the hill and yeah. across the trot poles, even though you're not trotting, but across trot poles kind of work in straight lines is really, really important. That's and it just hasn't know. really caught on in the gated world very well. Well, it, as you say, if they've kind of just like we know from going down to South America, there's breeds like the Mangalaga Marchador. Um, there's lots of kind of subbreeds. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. a sneeze. <laughs> Mangalaga Marchador. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun to see all these different because the, the roots of them are often go back to Spain. You know, there'll be a Criollo kind of thing, but then they get a they get a little gate in there and they start breeding for that. Anyway, it's really interesting, but I'd never asked anybody. I know that they say they like them to not lope until they're much older and they, you know, the professionals now I'm talking about, they really know what they're doing. And they, mm-hmm. um, and, they and they do a lot of hill training because Peru, I don't know, you know, think, <laughs> think mountaintops, but, um, but I'd never heard about the, the circle things, but now I'm thinking about it. That is a lot of the training that I've seen the, the better, trainers do for the gated. So there you go. Tip of the day. Straight lines. Straight lines. <laughs> well, if well, you think um, about it, just looking at a gated horse, they're constructed completely different than, let's yeah. say, a thoroughbred or a quarter horse. They're just, they're just not built the same. Right. Exactly. So I know the Criollo breed went into quarter horse, for example, but then if you started to get some of the lighter breed, lighter bone breeds, then it, you could get the march. Like, for example, when I said Margalarga, there's also a Margalarga, not Marchador. The Marchador part, which is what it kind of sounds like marching, you know, um, is the gated part. So they're, so they're, the breeds split, you know, at some point too. So ah, it's so interesting anyway. And then don't that get me started amazing. on Rockies, you know, Rockies and hybrids and, and all these different things too. But yeah, it's, it's sometimes a difficult thing though, when you throw different breeds into a discipline and like say Western equitation, you know, when you have a gated horse versus how, how do they judge those differently? Anyway, another show, Susanna, we have to have you back. Uh, but now, for the last breed that you happened to mention was Appalachian 
Brumbies. Wait a minute. Appalachian. Brumbies in Australia? Well, they Appalachian, the sorry. word originated in Australia. Yes, it did originate in Australia. But you know what Americans like to do? We like to borrow words and make them our own. And it's so, true. you know, historically, we get a lot of pushback on the Brumbies because of like Brumbie is only in Australia. But did you know that originally that ketchup was only in Japan and it was a fish sauce? So, and Yuck. we borrowed that one. We left the fish out of it though, right? <laughs> we did leave the fish out of it. Yeah. But originally ketchup was from Japan and it was a sauce made out of fish. And we stole that word and made it into our tomato based thing. So that's what Americans do a lot. You know, a lot, the proponents of the American language is made up of stolen words, including the word Mustang, which actually was Spanish. It's Mustango. Yeah. Mm. Mustango. Yeah, we stole right. that word. We did. So, we did. So now borrowed, that you've stolen we it, we, you, okay, we, we're not giving it back, though. <laughs> there we go. Well, we're not, well, we, I don't know what the, we appropriated it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that's true. Well, how, <laughs> we assimilated it. Maybe that's better. How did, how did Appalachia, so, so you and Tenia taught me how to say this in case anybody's wondering why I'm going back and forth from Appalachia to Appalachia, is you said, imagine yourself throwing an Appalachia. So that's right. We, Right. And so um, that's how I have to remember it now. But how did you appropriate an Appalachian Brumby word? What? Why Brumby? Adam Black came up with that when he had back in 2017, he had one of those little black feral fellows from the from the mine sites. And he coined that term. And it just fit because before then we had been calling them feral horses of the mine lands of Appalachia or Appalachian feral mine land horse, which is was what they are, but that is a big mouthful. And yeah, so, it sounds like a I, sad documentary too. It you does, know. doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so Adam Black coined that term. All and right. when he, when he said it to us, we were like, this is the missing piece. That's what we needed. So he, he gifted us that name. Good. Maybe one day we'll find it on Coggins. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. Then you know you've arrived. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but, but by definition, Brumbies in Australia are the descendants of escaped, lost, or abandoned horses living as free-roaming ferals. Mm -hmm. So that is what these guys are. Is you know that's the very definition, except for they're living as free-roaming ferals mm -hmm. on the mine lands in Appalachia. So do they have? I know he he adopted one. So Adam must think that they've got some unique qualities. What are unique qualities of an Appalachian Brumby? Uh, well, they're very hardy little things, but they they have some challenges. Usually, a lot of times they're selenium deficient, and and so mm -hmm. we have to correct that because it makes them very squirrely. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they usually we have a joke. If they have great feet, they're starving. And if they're not starving, they have terrible feet because mm -hmm. the ones that come from the mine sites where there's a lot of rock that has been put back in the reclamation have great feet, but they can't hardly find anything to eat. Mm -hmm. And the ones who have been put back on the reclamation sites that have been planted back with more dirt are, are not starving, but they usually don't have very great feet because they don't have the right kind of minerals they need to build mm -hmm. their feet. So yeah. that's one yeah. of the challenges with the Appalachian Brumbies. Love that. And you gave us some great knowledge on an earlier 
episode that people will have to refer back to, uh, go to horsemanshipradio.com and put in Susanna Johnson in the search bar and you'll find the episodes that you're in there because you are full of good knowledge. So tell us if, if somebody is thinking, oh my gosh, I got to go see this and I got to adopt one of these guys if I'm, if I'm good enough, um, what do they do? Well, if they want to come see it, it's in Winfield, West Virginia, August 17th through the 19th. And there'll be a, there's a um, trail class. And then there's a horsemanship class where in the horsemanship class, we expect them to show off that the horses can do all the things that we would expect a domestic horse to do, like pick up their feet and have flash spray and accept a bit and be saddled nicely and load into a trailer and that kind of stuff. So that's mm-hmm. what the horsemanship class is. And then the culmination of the event is the freestyle where we give the trainers um, a set amount of time and free reign, and they come back and razzle-dazzle us with mm-hmm. what they've put together set to music, which is always, of course, the highlight of the show. So Yeah, but everybody gets involved in that, in that music too, right? Pretty cool. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys have set up a really fun thing there. You got to get to West Virginia to find you. But um, is there a website? The Appalachian Trainer Face-Off, you can type it in the search bar in Google and a lot of stuff will pop out about that. But you can also find it on wvhorserescue.org. We have different links there, including the adoption application is at wvhorserescue.org. Okay, thank you for that. We'll put it in the show notes too. Um, is Is there anything that people should know about being qualified to adopt? Just fill out the application as completely as you can. We we like it better when people overload us with details rather than underwhelm us with them. So. Okay. You heard it first from the Officer of Education at the heart of Phoenix Equine Rescue. We're, we're all about overwhelming details. Exactly. And education. <laughs> so you're really good at it too, Susanna. Thank you so much for being on again and, and pouring your brain out and pouring your heart out for these horses. I really appreciate you. Sure. Yeah, it's always fun to be on Horsemanship Radio and also to go to California. I like to go to California. Oh, come back. Come back, NEM. Yeah, you got to come to the movement sometime. I know you guys are ramping up for everything back there, but uh, I got to get you in the middle of June sometime. It's so fun. Is it always in June? We've had it in earlier months, but it was a little cold. And we've had it in later months. It was a little warm. So (laughs) we're just right. You know, mama bear, papa bear. So we're just right. <laughs> yeah. I don't so look yeah. like Goldilocks. No, you're so cute. All right. Thanks again for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say. Well, thank you, Susanna. That was a great interview. You started to talk a little bit about um, a tip that I thought was super important about gated horses and straight lines. Tell us a little bit more about that. For me, one of the things that has been the best hint that I've ever learned was watching your horse when it's trotting. And mm-hmm. if you if the sand or the dirt is puffing in front of your horse's foot mm-hmm. before it's puffing behind the horse's heel, the hoof is not set up right. And that's uh-huh. like such an easy, magical thing to find out. So that means your horse is not landing the right way. So all yeah, the concussion is being... Yeah, and all the concussion is being, and you can use your app on your telephone. It makes yourself a recording and put it in slow mo and very clearly oh, see it. That's a great so, tip. It's just so it's so easy. Anybody can do that. Anybody can notice where the dirt is puffing if they know to look at it. There we are.
What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in June. Coming right up, we have the Gentling Wild Horse Course. That's five days, June 5 through 9. Now, I think that one is chocker block full. So, in case you're looking for that Gentling Wild Horse Course, you might want to look at the end of July. So, I'll read through this, but um, that one, I believe, is sold out. So, we'll go to June 10, which is our Mountain Trail Play Day on a Saturday. We open it up and people haul in and borders are there and it's really fun and social. And then on June 16 through 18, if you don't know by now, where have you been? It's the Movement 2023. Glenn is coming out. Jamie Jennings is coming out, our ASPCA Trainer of the Year and a Monty Roberts Certified Instructor. We've got Jared Rogerson singing for us in the concert hall here we have called The Park. And uh, we have so many of our friends coming. It's it's just become that thing. This is our sixth annual. I'm really excited to see everybody here June 16, 17, and 18. And then in July, we have July 8th, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day. Again, we do that once a month on a Saturday for Hollands. And July 10 through 14 is Monty's special training. And it's going to be really special this year. I'm, I'm excited about the variety of horses and their issues that we have coming in to, to see. And plus a starter. There's always the just blank sheet, which is always fun to see Monty work from first day to fifth day on a blank sheet for saddle, bridle, and rider and everything. And then July 15th, we have a Horsemanship 101. Those are really fun. We had Sarah Neer, Horse Crazy author and New York Times reporter. Here at the last one, we had Beth Bears, who was uh, that girl, those two broke girls, you know, the the TV show, Two Broke Girls. She was here for the last one. And now she's in a new show called The Neighborhood. And so we have Hollywood stars and famous people stopping by for Horsemanship 101. But we also have girlfriends and mother-daughters and father-daughters and things like that, too. We need to get some father-sons. We've got to work on that. But And then July 31st through August 1st, we have the Gentling Wild Horse Course. And that's five days again. And those will be, I think we're going to have some long, tall horses that came off the mountaintop from Ralph Lostens, and he raises up these big ranch horses, on, and they're, they're wild, but they like people, so it's kind of a fun combination. And then right after that, we have the introductory course of horsemanship, so we'll have the modules, and we'll have the full two-week course in case you're looking for a full immersion in Monty. So. And you can see more at the MontyRoberts.com website, so that's M-O-N-T-Y-R-O-B-E-R-T-S.com or Monty's calendar um, on that site. Or you can call at 805-688-6288, the main line. So that's 1-805-688-6288. This is in the show notes in case you're driving. Don't, don't try to write this down while you're driving. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com and you can find links photos, more information about our guests on that. People ask me sometimes, like, how do I get a hold of that person? Go to the show notes. So go to horsemanshipradio.com and you can find out everything you need to know. And as always, we love your feedback. It really helps me. So if you follow us on Facebook under facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts or Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Monty underscore Roberts or the beautiful instagram.com forward slash Monty underscore Roberts forward slash. My goodness. It's a beautiful way though to follow a beautiful concept. Many thanks to our sponsors 
and that's Jay Michelson at handsongloves.com and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 